Section 41 of The Plain Speaker. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Plain Speaker. Opinions on Books, Men, and Things by William Hazlitt. Section 41. On Depth and Superficiality. I wish to make this essay a sort of study of the meaning of several words which have at different times a good deal puzzled me. Among these are the words wicked, false, and true, as applied to feeling, and lastly, depth and shallowness. It may amuse the reader to see the way in which I work out some of my conclusions underground before throwing them up on the surface. A great but useless thinker once asked me if I had ever known a child of a naturally wicked disposition, and I answered yes, that there was one in the house with me that cried from morning to night for spite. I was laughed at for this answer, but still I do not repent it. It appeared to me that this child took a delight in tormenting itself and others that the love of tyrannizing over others and subjecting them to its caprices was a full compensation for the beating it received, that the screams it uttered soothed its peevish, turbulent spirit, and that it had a positive pleasure in pain from the sense of power accompanying it, his principus nascunto tyranny, his carnifex animus. I was supposed to magnify and overrate the symptoms of the disease and to make a childish humor into a bugbear. But indeed, I have no other idea of what is commonly understood by wickedness than that perversion of the will or love of mischief for its own sake, which constantly displays itself, though in trifles and on a ludicrously small scale, in early childhood. I have often been reproached with extravagance for considering things only in their abstract principles and with heat and ill-temper for getting into a passion about what no ways concerned me. If any one wishes to see me quite calm, they may cheat me in a bargain, or tread upon my toes. But a truth repelled, a sophism repeated, totally disconcerts me, and I lose all patience. I am not, in the ordinary acceptation of the term, a good-natured man that is many things annoy me besides what interferes with my own ease and interest i hate a lie a piece of injustice wounds me to the quick though nothing but the report of it reach me therefore i have made many enemies and few friends for the public know nothing of well-wishers and keep a wary eye on those who would reform them Coleridge used to complain of my irascibility in this respect, and not without reason. Would that he had possessed a little of my tenaciousness and jealousy of temper, and then with his eloquence to paint the wrong, and acuteness to detect it. His country and the cause of liberty might not have fallen without a struggle. The craniologists give me the organ of local memory of which faculty I have not a particle, although they may say that my frequent allusions to conversations that occurred many years ago prove the contrary. 
I once spent a whole evening with Dr. Spurzheim, and I utterly forgot all that passed, except that the doctor waltzed before we parted. The only faculty I do possess is that of a certain morbid interest in things, which makes me equally remember or anticipate by nervous analogy whatever touches it, and for this our nostrum mongers have no specific organ, so that I am quite left out of their system. No wonder that I should pick a quarrel with it. It vexes me beyond all bearing to see children kill flies for sport, for the principle is the same as in the most deliberate and profligate acts of cruelty they can afterwards exercise upon their fellow creatures. And yet I let moths burn themselves to death in the candle, for it makes me mad, and I say it is in vain to prevent fools from rushing upon destruction. The author of the rhyme of the ancient mariner, who sees farther into such things than most people, could not understand why I should bring a charge of wickedness against an infant before it could speak, merely for squalling and straining its lungs a little. If the child had been in pain or in fear, I should have said nothing. But it cried only to vent its passion and alarm the house, and I saw in its frantic screams and gestures that great baby, the world, tumbling about in its swaddling clothes and tormenting itself and others for the last six thousand years. The pleas of ignorance, of folly, of grossness or selfishness, makes nothing either way. It is the downright love of pain and mischief for the interest it excites, and the scope it gives to an abandoned will. That is the root of all the evil, and the original sin of human nature. There is a love of power in the mind, independent of the love of good, and this love of power, when it comes to be opposed to the spirit of good, and is leagued with the spirit of evil, to commit it with greediness, is wickedness. I know of no other definition of the term. A person who does not foresee consequences is a fool. He who cheats others to serve himself is a knave. He who is immersed in sensual pleasure is a brute. But lie alone. Who has a pleasure in injuring another, or in debasing himself? That is, who does a thing with a particular relish because he ought not is properly wicked. This character implies the fiend at the bottom of it, and is mixed up pretty plentifully, according to my philosophy, in the untoward composition of human nature. It is this craving after what is prohibited, and the force of contrast adding its zest to the violations of reason and propriety, that accounts for the excesses of pride, of cruelty, and lust and at the same time frets and vexes the surface of life with petty evils, and plants a canker in the bosom of our daily enjoyments. Take away the enormities dictated by the wanton and pampered pride of human will, glutting itself with the sacrifice of the welfare of others, or with the desecration of its own best feelings, and also the endless bickerings, heart-burnings, and disappointments produced by the spirit of contradiction on a smaller scale, and the life of man would spin round on its soft axle, unharmed and free, 
neither appalled by huge crimes nor infested by insect follies it might indeed be monotonous and insipid but it is the hankering after mischievous and violent excitement that leads to this result that causes that indifference to good and proneness to evil which is the very thing complained of the griefs we suffer are for the most part of our own seeking and making or we incur or inflict them not to avert other impending evils but to drive off in you there must be a spice of mischief and wilfulness thrown into the cup of our existence to give its sharp taste and sparkling color i shall not go into a formal argument on this subject for fear of being tedious nor endeavor to enforce it by extreme cases for fear of being disgusting but shall contend myself with some desultory and familiar illustrations of it i laugh at those who deny that we ever wantonly or unnecessarily inflict pain upon others when i see how fond we are of ingeniously tormenting ourselves what is sullenness in children or grown people but revenge against ourselves we had rather be the victims of this absurd and headstrong feeling than give up an inveterate purpose retract an error or relax from the intensity of our will whatever it may cost us a surly man is his own enemy and knowingly sacrifices his interest to his ill humor because he would at any time rather disoblige you than serve himself as i believe i have already shown in another place the reason is he has a natural aversion to everything agreeable or happy he turns with disgust from every such feeling as not according with the severe tone of his mind and it is in excluding all interchange of friendly affections or kind offices that the ruling bias and the chief satisfaction of his life consist is not every country town supplied with its scolds and scandal-mongers the first cannot cease from plaguing themselves and everybody about them with their senseless clamor because the rage of words has become by habit and indulgence a thirst a fever on their parched tongue and the others continue to make enemies by some smart hit or sly insinuation at every third word they speak because with every new enemy there is an additional sense of power one man will sooner part with his friend than his joke because the stimulus of saying a good thing is irritated instead of being repressed by the fear of giving offence and by the imprudence or unfairness of the remark malice often takes the garb of truth we find a set of persons who pride themselves on being plain-spoken people that is who blurt out everything disagreeable to your face by way of wounding your feelings and relieving their own and this they call honesty even among philosophers we may have noticed those who are not contented to inform the understandings of their readers unless they can shock their prejudices and among poets those who tamper with the rotten parts of their subject adding to their fancied pretensions by trampling on the sense of shame 
there are rigid reasoners who will not be turned aside from following up a logical argument by any regard to consequences or the compunctious visitings of nature such is their love of truth i never knew one of these scrupulous and hard-mouthed logicians who would not falsify the facts and distort the inference in order to arrive at a distressing and repulsive conclusion such is the fascination of what releases our own will from thraldom and compels that of others reluctantly to submit to terms of our dictating we feel our own power and disregard their weakness and effeminacy with prodigious self-complacency lord clive when a boy saw a butcher passing with a calf in a cart a companion whom he had with him said i should not like to be that butcher i should not like to be that calf replied the future governor of india laughing at all sympathy but that with his own sufferings the wicked lord lyttelton as he was called dreamt a little before his death that he was confined in a huge subterranean vault the inside of this round globe where as far as the eye could see he could discern no living object till at last he saw a female figure coming towards him and who should it turn out to be but mother brownrig whom of all people he most hated that was the very reason why he dreamt of her you ask her crime why she whipped two prentices to death and hid them in the coal hole i do not know that hers is exactly a case in point but i conceive that in the well-known catastrophe here alluded to words led to blows bad usage brought on worse from mere irritation and opposition and that probably even remorse and pity urged on to aggravated acts of cruelty and oppression as the only means of drowning reflection on the past in the fury of present passion i believe that poetry of the anti-jacobin remorse for past offences has sometimes made the greatest criminals as the being unable to appease a wounded conscience renders men desperate and if i hear a person express great impatience and uneasiness at some error that he is liable to i am tolerably sure that the conflict will end in a repetition of the offence if a man who got drunk overnight repents bitterly the next morning he will get drunk again at night for both in his repentance and his self-gratification he is led away by the feeling of the moment but this is not wickedness but despondency and want of strength of mind and i only attribute wickedness to those who carry their wills in their hands and who wantonly and deliberately suffer them to tyrannize over conscience reason and humanity and who even draw an additional triumph from this degrading conquest the wars persecutions and bloodshed occasioned by religion have generally turned on the most trifling differences in forms and ceremonies which shows that it was not the vital interests of the questions that were at stake but that these were made a handle and pretext to exercise cruelty and tyranny on the score of the most trivial and doubtful points of faith there seems to be a love of absurdity and falsehood as well as mischief in the human mind and the most ridiculous as well as barbarous superstitions have on this account been the most acceptable to it a lie is welcome to it for it is as it were its own offspring 
and it likes to believe as well as act whatever it pleases and in the pure spirit of contradiction the old idolatry took vast hold of the earliest ages for to believe that a piece of painted stone or wood was a god in the teeth of the fact was a fine exercise of the imagination the modern fanaticism thrives in proportion to the quantity of contradictions and nonsense it pours down the throats of the gaping multitude and the jargon and mysticism it offers to their wonder and credulity credo quia impossible is the standing motto of bigotry and superstition that is i believe because to do so is a favorite act of the will and to do so in defiance of common sense and reason enhances the pleasure and the merit tenfold of this indulgence of blind faith and headstrong imagination methodism in particular which at once absolves the understanding from the rules of reasoning and the conscience from the restraints of morality throwing the whole responsibility upon a vicarious righteousness and an abstract belief must besides its rant its vulgarity and its amatory style have a double charm both for saints and sinners i have also observed a sort of fatuity an indolence or indocility of the will to circumstances which i think has a considerable share in the common affairs of life i would willingly compound for all the mischiefs that are done me voluntarily if i could escape those which are done me without any motive at all or even with the best intentions for instance if i go to a distance where i am anxious to receive an answer to my letters i am sure to be kept in suspense my friends are aware of this as also of my impatience and irritability and they cannot prevail on themselves to put an end to this dramatic situation of the parties there is pleasure an innocent and well-meaning one in keeping a friend in suspense in not putting oneself out of one's way for his ill-humours and apprehensions though one would not for the world do him a serious injury as there is in dangling the finny prey at the end of a hook or in twirling round a cockchafer after sticking a pin through him at the end of a string there is no malice in the case no deliberate cruelty but the buzzing noise and the secret consciousness of superiority to any annoyance or inconvenience ourselves lull the mind into a delightful state of listless torpor and indifference if a letter requires an immediate answer send it by a private hand to save postage if our messenger falls sick or breaks a leg and begs us to forward it by some other means return it to him again and insist on its being conveyed according to its first destination his cure may be slow but sure in the meantime our friend can wait we have done our duty in writing the letter and are in no hurry to receive it we know the contents and they are matters of perfect indifference to us no harm is meant by all this but a great deal of mischief may accrue there is in short a sluggishness and untractableness about the will that does not easily put itself in the situation of others and that consults its own bias best by giving itself no trouble about them human life is so far a game of cross purposes if we wish a thing to be kept secret it is sure to transpire if we wish it to be known 
not a syllable is breathed about it this is not meant but it happens so from mere simplicity and thoughtlessness no one has ever yet seen through all the intricate folds and delicate involutions of our self-love which is wrapped up in a set of smooth flimsy pretexts like some precious jewel in covers of silver paper end of section forty one